Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And t- today we're talking about one of the one of the most infamous films in Hollywood history, Citizen Kane, starring and directed and written by Orson Welles of that radio play that you learned about in school. <laughs> Just that one. That's Just all he's that ever one. done. Uh He's also the the premise of the voice for Brain and Pinky and the Brain. So, oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Yeah, that's just no. a, that's just um, an Orson Welles impression. Totally makes sense. That if that's the only thing you learned from today's episode, Devin, I will be happy. Um, I, in the chat, right. they've never seen it. Is it about some guy with a limp? Eh, kind, I mean, kind of, kind of. Kinda. He did break yeah. his ankle filming this, so he was in a wheelchair for part of it. What did he do in this movie that caused him to break he an ankle? Chased after the um, the guy who blackmails him down the stairs and tripped. Oh no! I would have loved it if it was during the song part of it. That would have been funny. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. Okay, so excuse me while I look at my phone here and pull up the IMDb page, uh, so I can read the description. Uh, so Citizen Kane came out in 1941. And like I said, was directed by Orson Welles and stars Orson Welles as uh, Charles Foster Kane. Uh, the film fo- uh, following the death of publishing tycoon Charles Foster Kane, reporters scramble to the uncover the meaning of his final words, Rosebud. Now, before we get into this, did you guys know what Ro- we're not going to say what it is now for anyone who doesn't know? Did you guys know what Rosebud was going into this? Because none of us had seen this, right? Like this is—we're all going into yeah. this fresh. Yeah, this is my first time. Absolutely knew what Rosebud was. Like I've known since like middle school what Rosebud was. Okay, Ryan, how about you? Uh, well, this was one of my dad's favorite movies, so I don't ever remember oh. watching it all the way through, but I've seen parts. And mm-hmm. yes, I—I had an—I had an idea, but I didn't but I couldn't really be sure okay. if I was like 100% positive on it or not. We, we will, we will I have reveal, a story later. We'll story. reveal not, not in the closing shots like the film does, but we will, <laughs> we will talk about what Rosebud what was. Um, so, so Devin, what spoiled it for you? Was it the Simpsons? Because for me, it's the Simpsons. No. Do you know what it was? It was the freaking free copy of who wants to be a millionaire. The CD ROM game <laughs> that came with my Kellogg's cornflakes. Wait, no, that is, uh, that is a thing. Um, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the chat, yeah. the, in the Simpsons, they do make a, there's a whole episode parroting, uh, Citizen Kane. And it's about Mr. Burns and his, his teddy bear Blinky or not, not Blinky. Um, I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, the fact that you have to look this up makes me sad. I figured you just know this. I should. Um, he will for now on. Yeah. yeah, right. He'll never forget this. Um, which one was it? Did he have multiple teddy bears? Are you like having no, hold trouble on. choosing? No, I searched the wrong thing. Uh... Bobo. It was his teddy bear, Bobo. Bobo. It is episode five, season four. Um, that was early on. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Is the episode really called Rosebud? It is. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's too specific. I didn't... Yeah. Um, it's the one with Burns' birthday with the Ramones. And Mr. Burns says, Smithers, have the Rolling Stones killed, but sir, just do what I say. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. So, like, they, they do a whole parody of him trying to get back his teddy bear from Maggie. It's weird. Um, it's kind of cool. But yeah, so The Simpsons kind of, like, just the title of that episode, I guess, ruins it. Um, well, it doesn't really ruin it, but it. Um, so. <laughs> Friend Chats of the show, Christian, tonight, yes. is being a great yes. friend right now. Yeah. I love it. 
Keep it um, up, man. Shout out for him for listening. Thank since, you. Since we're on the yeah, topic thanks. of The Simpsons, I'm in the process of putting together my top 10 episodes of The Simpsons list for another podcast that I'm doing next week. Oh, man. And I think this episode might have to go on there. So. Well, yeah, if it's that kind of episode. Yeah. Also, hey, Sabretooth. Thanks for joining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't do it. Like I can't make the top ten list. It's hard. I've been thinking about this for months. I've got it narrowed. I've got at least five episodes I know are going on the list. It's tough. Um, but anyway, enough about the Simpsons. Let's talk about Citizen Kane. <laughs> so, right. Besides this, what else do you guys know Orson Welles from? Is it just he was in? What the hell was he in? He was in a movie we just watched recently. At the very end of it, the Muppet. It was movie. like a. That was it. That one. Was... I know him from the Muppet movie. Okay. Ryan? So the thing is, I think Orson Welles, I think author. Is it the same guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, he did. Uh... I, I know him from his books. Like, oh. I don't really know him from. I think you're thinking H.G. Wells. More than likely. Okay. Didn't Orson Welles do the um, the movie that eventually starred Tom Cruise? War of the Worlds. Yes. That one. So yeah, that was Orson, a long walk. Thanks. Orson Welles is infamous for the War of the Ro- Worlds radio play, where people right. tuned in and thought that the world was ending because they did it as a real life, this is what's happening right now uh, mm-hmm. play. So people in in the late 30s were like, oh my God, aliens are here. Uh, what do we do? Because it, it went out. I don't know if it was nationwide, but it went out to a lot of people. So there was panic. And that's part of the mm-hmm. reason this movie was created. Uh, that's caused such mm-hmm. a whirlwind that RKO pictures was like, Hey, we want you to do a film for us. Cause we're struggling. Here's all of the money. You have full comp- creative freedom to do whatever you want. And that's how this film was born. Oh, that's cool. Now mm. for, forgive me if I don't get into the history if I don't get the history all right, but I, I, that that's pretty much the basis of it. Like war of the worlds led to citizen Kane. So I can see that. How old do you think Orson Welles was when he took on this project? Hey, PK hey, cool beans. Oh, Hey, uh, 30, 33. I'm gonna say 33. Ryan. Uh, 28. 24. No, he wasn't. He was 24 years old. Ugh. Yeah. Makes me feel lazy. It does. Well, Um, you also have to take into effect what the average lifespan was back then in the United States, too. So, I mean, just take that and do the percentage. I mean, he was pretty much... He was still younger than us, technically. But, I mean, still. I mean, he was still probably had the, you know... Innards if somebody was probably like 40. <laughs> that is like fair. It was hard back then. <laughs> that is fair. Um, so yeah, he, Orson Welles is also uh, a voice in Transformers the movie. The animated one from the 80s. Who? Uh, he... He seems like a Decepticon. I don't want to like typecast his voice. He's the big one. He's the big one that they fight. I forget the name. Unicron or something. Unicron. Yeah, that's it. Unicron. Yeah. Um, Looking at his catalog, uh, just looking at like acting. uh, History of the World Part One is probably the first movie I saw of all the ones on the list. Even though I didn't know it was him, my dad probably pointed him out to me when I was like twelve, watching that movie for the first time, and I just don't remember it. So I'm going to say that. Okay. (laughs) Good choice. That is a good one. Um, All right. So the film was written by Herman Mankiewicz, which is part of the reason we're doing this is because of the film Mank, which is on Netflix and nominated for a few Oscars. And I wanted to watch that, but I wanted to watch Citizen Kane first. Uh, So um, since this was all of our first times watching Citizen Kane, what did you guys think of the film? Ryan, you go first. Well, like I said I have seen parts of this kind of scattered. So yeah. it was actually sitting down to watch it like all the way through for the first time. Um, it's good. I mean, I could definitely see why it has the reputation that it does. Um, 
def some of the stuff is definitely like okay there's definitely made in the early early 40s um but other than that like the acting's really good uh for the time period the style is uh the the style of it's is you know dated but at the same time though like it works even for today yeah i mean there are some scenes where i'm watching i'm like oh my god this is tough but you you know i mean (laughs) what what actually draws you into it are the performances itself like there's a lot of artistic early hollywood silver screen you know it's like um just starting to get talking pictures you know maybe like 10 years in or so so i mean you 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 still have some of the really old hollywood gimmicks in it but you can see where the performances shine through and it's really apparent and that's what drew me into it okay devin how about you what did you think of citizen kane so this i think this movie's evergreen like i i think that the movie definitely is a time in in place kind of movie but i don't think that it it it's hurt by that at all. I think that the fact that it's like golden age cinema, like old timey, like 1940s only helps drive like what it is and what it's trying to say anyway, especially considering where we were in like American politics and where we were like in the world at that point, I think it only aids it. And I think it makes me happy to know that like this movie has never tried to have been like redone. Like no one tried to do a remake of citizen Kane but, like, now it takes place in 2000 and Ben Stiller's in it. Like, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. It's just, when you make a film that's – remake a film that's so iconic, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. You have to have, like, a good, good reason to do it. Um, and the only one that – the only one that had, like, an okay reason to do it was, like, when they remade Rear Window in the 90s. Do you guys know about this? It was Shia LaBeouf, right? No, that's Disturbia. They remade Rear Window. The film's called Rear Window in the 90s with Christopher Reeve. Post-accident. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And that's that's a weird reason to do it, but it let him act. Um, Was it good? I've never seen it. Oh, man. We should do Um, that one. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've seen the That's other cool. rear window a lot. Okay, so for me, Citizen Kane was really enjoyable. There's a lot to dissect here. Um, I can see why it makes all of the greatest films of all time lists. Um, for me, it's probably high on my list of favorite. If I had to make a list of favorite, like top 50 films, this is definitely in the top 50. Um, just because there's so much meat to chew. Um, and we'll get into that, but I really enjoyed this. Um, my question for you guys now is, do you think this is one of the greatest films of all time? Ryan, what do you think? You have more of a history with the movie than I do. I just like saw it today. Like, what do you think? To be honest about that, I don't know. Um, The thing is with with me, I get Mm -hmm. that there's all these people behind it. You've got Mm a, you know, like top Hall hall of Fame caliber name when it comes to the, you know, like uh, when it comes to the acting, uh, what the movie's about. I get all of that. I get the hype. If if critics want to put it as high as they do, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't ever know if I'm ever going to want to watch this again. It's definitely one everyone should watch once. Uh, In the chat, Coolbee is asking if they should watch it. Yes, everyone everyone should watch Citizen Kane at least once. Yeah, Um, yeah. I might I might revisit this after watching Mank just to see, Mm -hmm. just just because it'll be fresh in my mind. Um, And after doing some research, I kind of want to go back and revisit it, knowing a little bit more of what I know. Um, Devin, how about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that it deserves to for a lot of reasons. Like, I was watching the movie, and sometimes I was like, why don't people take lessons from this movie? Like, I've seen movies that come out now, you know, so many years in the future that are shot worse than this movie is shot. I've seen, I don't know, character composition and and lighting composition and scenes that are worse than this movie now. 
And this is such a great template to follow. So yeah, I think it deserves to be as high up as it does. So um, part of the part of the reason this is on so many lists of the greatest films of all time is it. I, I saw one comment earlier doing some research on this, and it's it was this this is the first greatest film of all time, and I think that has sure. to do with the beginning of Orson Welles' film career. Uh, they they made a lot of advancements technology wise with cameras. And um, I, like the fact that this whole cast is a theater cast, mm-hmm. like they're all the uh, I forget which theater company it was, the Mercury actors. They're the same actors who did War of the Worlds on the radio. Oh, that's neat. Um, Hold on. While we're talking about the cast, my favorite freaking thing, one of my favorite things about this movie is that Orson Welles is the big name behind this movie, right? Like, yes. he's why they made the movie. Did you guys catch how, like, far down on the cast list he's listed? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. 13th in the cast list. He, like, had say in that, and he let all of these new actors get spotlights and be listed before the big name. Well, he he gets the big name with actor. Yeah. And I think that it says a lot about the film itself too, because it's it's about Kane, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. it's about other people discovering him. Um, what is it, Charles Foster Kane? Yeah, Charles Foster yeah. Kane. Um, but so yeah, so you have uh, I almost said Brando. You have well Orson Welles, uh. <laughs> Towards the end, they both look the same. Uh, they do. They, uh, <laughs> you have him coming in as this young, hot director um, and screenwriter. Like him and Mankiewicz had a lot of drama behind the scenes. Like he, oh. Orson Welles tried to buy him out of his name in the credits, and like gave him money. And then the writers' guild was like, "No, you can't do that." And he tried to get his money back, but Mengs already spent it on alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't get the money back. Um, but then the, the name I was looking for was was Greg Toland, the cinematographer, developed a technique to have everything in focus at once. Um, Is it called the Toland technique? No, it's uh, I'm shocked. It's deep Thank focus. God. So every <laughs> it, it's a technique that keeps every object in the foreground, center, and background in simultaneous focus. Uh, And it brought a sense of depth to the two-dimensional world of movies. So this is Mm -hmm. a technique that's still used today. Another technique that's used a lot in this, which was one of the, not, which is something that uh, Wells got from John Ford's films, like um, Birth of the Nations and Grapes of Wrath, was Mm -hmm. the the placement of the camera. Every time the camera looks at Citizen Kane, it's looking uh, up at him. Like he's a powerful figure. And, Every time it's looking at somebody else, it's looking down, which shows them as weak. So it's very uh, – it's one of the first things they teach you in film school is camera placement and that. It's like wherever the camera is, like – does that make sense to you, Ryan? It does. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. I, 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 yeah. I can't tell because your video is frozen. <laughs> it is? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll speak. <laughs> okay. Um. Was there anything visually that caught your eyes in that caught your eye in this that you were like, oh wow, that's really cool? I had kind of the opposite. Okay, tell me. Uh, so even though like I, I I I knew what the basic premise of the movie was, I was kind of iffy on like the plot device. But at the beginning of this, like it's going up the grate, and then it goes over the lake, and then you see the boats, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, I wish was, I really wish this was like the River Styx or something. And then, <laughs> well, because of the style of the boats with the like long neck front and everything, and that's, yeah. and that's what I mean about there are points in this that are very dated. And those were the parts that, um, like, I saw that, and I'm like, oh, my God, this thing's all going to be pan shots. And then, you, you know, just like the old style pan. And then... Um, it got to the point where they started having conversations and then it got into what Alan was talking about, about way that, about, you know, like how, how the camera angles were and it felt more modern and it actually got me more interested about what was going on. Cause to be perfectly honest, I was 
I was getting really tired of all of the newsreels. I mean, it was like, what, a 10-minute newsreel to begin or something yeah. like that? Like, it went over, like, every plot point that you're going to see in the movie in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, and I get it for that time because that's how a lot of people got their news. They'd go to the theater, they'd wait for the cartoons to play through, and then you had your, like, news segments where they had their, like, little, like, basically, like, local news stuff or, like, national news um, so I knew that for the people seeing that when it came out, it, you know, there's nothing there that stands out, you know, weird, like to them, be like, mm -hmm. oh, cool, they're doing their own form of like newsreel. This is, you know, I can actually get involved in this. I feel like I'm in this world where yeah. to me, I'm like, when are they going to say, do you want to know more? When are they gonna say <laughs> more? Uh, so Good I, reference. I really enjoyed the newsreel at the beginning because it gives you like a roadmap of where the film's going to go. But then it like deep dives into all of those moments with the exception of his wife and son dying. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is that weird. gets glossed over. It yeah. does probably because he couldn't, he couldn't, they couldn't interview anyone from like, you can't, you right. can't interview the dead wife and son to find out what, what Rosebud means. I did like, one thing I did one thing I didn't know about this movie is the whole thing's about what is Rosebud. Like I didn't know it was like a, oh we're going to go talk to these people and find out what this meant. Well, I think the thing I didn't know cuz I I I think I understood that it was going to be basically his life. I didn't understand that it was his life as told by people that are remembering what it was like. And I think that's the part that hooked me the hardest. Was Every flashback was told through a certain lens and every flashback was a little bit grandiose and a little bit over the top because that's how you remember the good old days. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought it was cool. It does a varying job on sh in sh shedding Kane in different light. Speaking um, of, because you used the words, uh, you mentioned about some camera tricks that we loved in this. Yeah. I love their use of light and dark and shadow in this mm -hmm. holy shit so like if a character <laughs> has the power in the scene they are completely lit if the character does not have the power in the scene they're in shadow that is how it works through a whole movie it is never not brilliant especially with the scene where uh the like liar reveals scene. i don't know how spoily we were getting for a movie from the 40s but uh in the liar revealed scene uh Kane himself switches from dark to light the second he stops being on the ropes and the second uh, that he, like, decides, like, I'm in charge of my destiny now. Like, that was so freaking cool. And, yeah, I said a bad word, Cool Beans. I'm sorry. Yeah. Damn it, Devin. <laughs> Calling me out. Uh, <laughs> um, tisk, tisk, tisk. So, for me, some of those sets were, like, immaculate like for me the fireplace and xanadu which is a weird yeah. sentence because every time i say xanadu i think of like the uh olivia newton john roller skating movie we've all seen that right no i have not i'm gonna make you all watch it just wait it's on the list oh, now okay. xanadu um, xanadu yeah. just wait it's gonna be a good day i've uh, never thought i'd ever buy a plane ticket to punch somebody in the face but you're getting me real close <laughs> to that I'm addressing sequence for that episode. Just you wait. Oh wait, wait a month. He'll be coming over here. Um, yeah. So, like the the fireplace, like just the way, like there's a scene where his wife is doing the jigsaw puzzle, and like he comes in the background in the shadows, and like everything's like the only thing that's lit is the wife in the fireplace, and you see his shadow through the doorway. Like, I just yeah. love that set. Just the whole, like, the whole opening sequence with Xanadu was really cool to me. Yeah, um, I... Sorry. Oh, no. What were you going to say? I didn't mean to make noise, and then I realized I didn't. Oh. You stopped talking. I'm like, oh, crap, I interrupted him. <laughs> yeah. um, I can add on what I wanted that that was going in my head after, after you're done. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, I lost where I was now, so. About Xanadu. About okay. you, you thought that part was cool. Yes. Go for it. Okay. Um, that took me right out of the movie at, at the beginning. The whole, like, um, let's see. How much is it worth? No one can say. Really? <laughs> He's that rich? Come on. Well, like, I, I, I mean, like, it's, look, I get it. 
because it's the 19 it's like 1941 they're trying to be spectacular i wouldn't be surprised if an actual newsreel would actually say something like that about like a millionaire back in the early 40s but it was one of those things that's like so dated and it's so made fun of and it's so cliche it just it was like i'm like oh my god i hope this movie is not like this because this is going to take me out of it the entire thing and then it brought me back in because this 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 was in my notes oh great 19 uh i said lost uh lost me at no one can say and then one uh and then won me back with the zoo animals and then <laughs> lost me again with the amount of like you know you know it's like the 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 hundred million trees that were brought over to like yeah. build the thing and then i said it won me back uh everyone's always hated the wealthy but but if you uh, uh, but, but depending on if you call them communist or fascist, depends on your, you know, leaning. Okay. I, I really like that. And that's what really got me back into the film. Like so it was I, just that modern touch. I've got a question <laughs> for you, Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. Devin, I'm going to have to have, I'm going to ask you a question here shortly. Cause I think you have okay. some experience with what I'm going to bring up. Do you know who citizen, who Charles Foster Kane is based on? The it, it, there was the tycoon in the 30s and 20s. Yeah, uh, it, it's the same one that they made the, the Aviator movie about. No, it's not Howard Hughes. Can I take okay. a quick stab? Go ahead. Is it Carnegie? No, it is not. Oh, you thought I was going Pittsburgh? I'm going L.A. It is. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking Hollywood. It it is L.A. It's um. Oh, I lost the name. I had the name. It's here. not Mulholland, is it? No, it's Hearst. Oh, it's um, Hearst. Yeah. Um, William Randolph Hearst was Got a it. was a publishing tycoon in the early set early nineteenth century, twentieth century, um, and in L.A. they have Hearst Castle. Mm-hmm. Devin, have you been to Hearst Castle? I've not, but I heard it's really cool. It's pretty much the Xanadu of L.A. It is. Because it's what this was based on. Um, the whole thing with the wife, uh, like the the wife is based on Hearst's wife, Marion Davies. There was a whole oh. subplot cut out about her affair with Charlie Chaplin. Um, That's cool. But so the. the and Mankiewicz, the screenwriter for this, was friends with Hearst going into production of this. And there was a lot of tension between Hearst and the production. Um, like, he tried to get it shut down. Uh, when the movie first came out, it was delayed several months. Which, which for the time, I know we're used to movies being delayed nowadays. But for the time, that wasn't common ground. Um it was delayed because of because of the drama that that Hearst had and the power that he had. This movie was pretty much it was booed at the Oscars when its categories were announced, uh, and it was considered a flop. Wow! Until it was well, like, re-released in the fifties. In Hearst's defense, imagine I'm a writer and I'm like, okay, Alan, I'm going to write a movie about you. First off, you're going to die sad and alone. Next, you're going to fail at every business venture. Like. What a douchey thing for a friend to do to a friend. Well, it depending on who you believe, Megawitz may not have written as much of the film as it is led to believe. Because if Orson Welles was mm-hmm. trying to take his credit away, I feel mm-hmm. like he he took he took a lot of liberties. Um, but one one story I did read, I I. Can't tell if this is true or not, but the night the, that Citizen Kane premiered in San Francisco, Orson Welles found himself in an elevator with William Randolph Hearst and invited oh, him to the premiere, and he said, no, thank you. And before he got off the elevator, Orson Welles turns around and says, Kane would have, would have accepted the invite and left. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. So, um, oh boy. <laughs> so, can I bring up the elephant in the room for like eight seconds because Go we got to touch it. on let's, it? Let's do it. 
the world has to stop ruining nice things. The world has a little bit ruined a little bit parts of this movie for me where I feel like had I watched this movie prior to, I'm going to pick a date out of the air. Let's call it 2016. Had I watched this movie prior to 2016, I would have liked it a lot more because 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 happened. There are parts of it that I just go, Well, And I won't uh, get specific. I won't name names, but you know what I'm talking about. I won't be specific. I'm not going to name names. What I'm going to say is that what this movie shows is something that I've always believed, which is that everybody on this planet for the past 250 years, we have Mm -hmm. been arguing and bickering over the same stuff, just using different words as the generations flow through. Because mm-hmm. if you pick up a newspaper from like the early 60s, guess what? 40% of the news articles for the national news are going to be about the same exact topics we're fighting over now. They're just going to be using different words and different meanings because it was two generations ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Devin, you're not it- naming names is making chat laugh. Uh, <laughs> makes that makes me happy. So <laughs> that was that was like my only thing, and like I think the two biggest problems I had with this movie was that, and then the freaking parrot out of nowhere. Did we all see the parrot out of nowhere? Uh, oh yeah. There's yeah. There's like a screw a screen wipe to a translucent parrot going. Bah! Like, in the middle of a fight, and I'm like, what are you doing? 1940s I mean, Hollywood. Orson yeah. Welles was knew, known for scaring his audience with the War of the Worlds. Maybe that's what he, he was just going for that jump scare in the He's middle like, of the thinking, wake up! Yesterday, aliens. Today, parakeets. If, uh, if buying newspaper men out of their paper to a new one bores you, wake up! Here's a parrot! <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so that was it. The only thing, kind of like with Devin, just, this is this is small. I'm sorry. This is. I go for it. <clears throat> when he does the like band and showgirls at the office and everything, and he uh, and he gets up there and he and he's starting to dance with the showgirls and all of the mm. bank uh, and all of the reporters are acting like you know frat boys because they probably all were. Um, I got really strong wolf of wall street vibes from that oh yeah yeah i think you're supposed to i think scorsese pulled that from from (laughs) citizen kane and the reason why i'm bringing this up is that to be honest that's the only scene out of this whole movie when i was watching it i'm like ah wolf of wall street like after after that happened i was expecting to get like Oh, they made fun of that in Naked Gun. Oh, they made fun of that in History of the World Part 1. Oh, they made fun of this in a Bruce Willis movie. Or, not Bruce Willis. Um, Night at the Museum. Ryan, real quick, since you brought it up, I have to step away for a second. I bought you something this weekend, and I have to go get it. Uh, keep talking as you were. I'll be right okay. back. Oh, hold on. I, I have something that I wanted to bring up based on that scene. Alan, you can go. That's totally fine. Um, but to Ryan's point... Do you think that scene happened in real life exactly the way that it happened? Because I think that scene was an example of old man reminiscing and blowing everything out of proportion. Where, like, everyone knew the lyrics to the song about Citizen Kane. Everybody, like, he was the most popular guy in the room and made all the jokes and everyone was so quippy. And, like, I think that was old man misremembering. See me, I it's like you talked about the whole like old man misremembering or you know kind of like shining a light on things, and that's probably yeah. what it was. My problem, my core issue with this movie is that I really was fighting to pay attention when sure. I was really fighting to pay attention when Citizen Kane wasn't on screen. So when it was just the reporters going around talking to people before they do the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I had the hardest time trying to pay attention because to me it was just I it wasn't interesting during those parts. So when I was yeah. watching those like flashback moments, I really wasn't taking it as oh this is just him misremembering or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was tone differences because of their time of you know, because of when they knew him 
because sure. it was a different age. So there was tone differences there. And, and also the, uh, you know, tone differences could be because they were all, you know, different people. I never thought that it was because, oh, it's, he's thinking back and thinking of that party being better than it actually was. And to be perfectly honest, they probably had, you know, with, with how rich he was, I wouldn't be surprised. Would they all be lined up like it was the Last Supper? No. The, <laughs> the tables would probably be more broken up around the room. I think my biggest, like, scene for this moment is when he's running for mayor or governor. And, like, his campaign poster is, like, the ugliest picture of him. Like, Orson Welles is not an ugly man. But his campaign picture is basically him just going... And, like, it doesn't make any sense for that to be your campaign picture. So, like, I thought, like, guys, like, oh, and they picked the worst picture of him to be that. And that was, like, a visual representation of that. See, to me, the way that I took that, because, like I said, I didn't take, you know, the whole flashback quirks as you did. Mm -hmm. When I saw that, I figured it was um, Orson Welles or, or, you know, whoever was doing the, you know, the artistical picks for the Mm -hmm. movie that they were being cynical about campaigns because he's in the stadium standing there making a bunch of stupid political jokes about himself like every politician has always done. They're making him really, you know, like grandiose. And they decided to pick a a picture that kind of makes fun of like old style campaign pictures of people to where it looks silly. That's how I took it. I thought it was like a, you know, like a, a, a little jab at the silliness of like, you know, campaigns. Like metacriticism. I like yeah. that. Okay. Island, I'm so excited. Okay. So, uh, I believe I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure I have the, the artist correct. Um, so bear with me here. But okay. This past weekend, if anyone watching was at the main street comic con in Waynesboro, we were there. I was part of a panel. Um, I got a chance to go around and shop for some art and I found some art. Um, and I just want to make sure I have the artist right before I say it. I believe it was Panda Designs. Yes, it was Panda Designs. I saw a piece of art that I was like, oh, Ryan's going to like that. And the fact that you brought up this movie tonight makes me know that you will like this. Um, (laughs) So it is The Wharf of Wall Street. Oh, my God, yes. Uh... Oh, that's pretty oh wonderful. My God. Yeah. I so, really need both of you guys to watch Deep Space Nine with him in it because there's like a romance that he has with a character that <laughs> because I'm thinking of Wolf of Wall Street, Leo, that weird relationship he had in the film. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. I, I saw that, that and I was like, I got to get that for Ryan. I don't know why <laughs> he's never mentioned Wolf of Wall Street before, but I know he likes Wharf. And that is <laughs> that the, the pun game on that is too good to be true. So good. It oh, so, it's great. So yeah, I got that for you to hang on your wall. Thank you. So. I, I, I appreciate it. It'll be going up as soon as I can get my hands on it. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Anyway, back to Citizen Kane. <laughs> um, we should get into the spoilers at this point. I think if you yeah. don't want to, before we get into spoilers, did knowing what Rosebud was ruin ruin the film for you? Did it did it add anything to you? Before we reveal what Rosebud was to anyone who hasn't seen it, I'm going to say that it made me think a little bit deeper about some of the questions that were being answered because I knew I knew what it was. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew the literal thing or the person or whatever that Rosebud was, and didn't know why it was what it was and why it was his last word. So a little bit of the mystery was still there for me. Okay. So for me, I was 100% on, I knew what the meaning was behind it. I was like, I was like 50, 50 on what the inanimate object was. Mm -hmm. So I still had that moment of like, Oh, it's that. And then they showed it. And I was like, yeah, I remembered correctly. Like, it was one of those. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. For me, it, it was added like a depth. Like, anytime, uh, anytime something along the lines of that were brought up, I was like, okay, so this is where it's going. Like, this is what it. And it, I think it just let me keep an ear out for any mention of a certain 
aspect of his life. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so this makes sense. Um, that being said, if you have not seen Citizen Kane and do not want to know what Rosebud means, now is the time to tune out. Uh, come back to us. This episode will be available on our YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms. Just uh, jump to the 39-minute mark and you'll you'll be able to listen to this tomorrow afternoon. Um, oh, nice. So that being said, spoilers, boy, spoiler alerts for a movie that is uh, 80 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I did the math right. Um, wow. So... Rosebud is revealed to be Charles Foster Kane's childhood sled. What do you guys think that means? Ryan, you said you had the meaning right first. Yeah. I really want to hear what it is because I have some bigger questions about this movie. Okay. And I want to hear I want to hear you first. So from hearing my dad talk about it, you know. Um, and then seeing the movie finally for the first time through, it made sense. The last time Citizen Kane, or the last time Kane was truly happy, was the moment before the banker showed up to take him to private school. And what was he doing? He was on his sled, having mm. fun. That was the last moment that he was truly happy. Because throughout the rest of the movie, he's buying, buying, traveling, doing this, doing that to regain what he lost from his childhood when he was forced away from his family. And so when he's in that crystal shop, ruining everything and tossing everything around and he grabs that snow globe and he's reminded of the day that he was taken from his family, he finally realizes Rosebud. That's it, it. It was the last time he was truly happy, and it put him right back there. And finally realizing it at such an old age, after the fact, is what put him in the depression that he was in, and why he wouldn't let go of that snow globe. Yeah. I wanted so badly to connect it. So there was this theme throughout the whole movie of him finding love on his own terms and like buying things and trying things and doing things so he could have people love him in the way that he felt like he needed. And for some reason, I like still in my mind need to tie Rosebud back to that. And I'm having the hardest time doing it because I love the ex- your explanation of it, Ryan. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on. But I like in my mind, I just needed to connect back to that love thing. But like his mom didn't seem like her, his mom cared and wanted the best for him. But like they weren't overly loving or overly attached, and definitely the dad wasn't. So I don't know if I can well, make that connection. I'm over here making a ton of hand motions that you can't see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so may I before we? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Um, yeah. So I think Ryan did hit it on the head. It is about his happiness and him chasing that. But if you look back at that scene where. The, the paperwork is being assigned and he's outside playing in the went through the window. You can see how much fun he's having. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, there, there's a moment where he's up like before he meets his second wife, who at first is his mistress. He's on his way to go look at his childhood things. If he hadn't been splashed by that car, he would have found Rosebud sooner. And then his whole life would have been changed, but he got distracted and it's about his journey trying to find happiness in, in, with money, buying things, buying all these statues, um, trying to buy the love of people around him. Um, yeah, I yeah, I think yeah, Ryan so, nailed it. Yeah, um, because Devin, what you're saying is that you really wanted to tie back into the fact of the theme of like him trying to buy people's affection. Right. Okay. Because that's they so, like because they mentioned that's his candidacy, that's his wife, that wives, yes. that's a lot of it. So the sled does everything I said does tie that in. So mm-hmm. w- w- where where it ties in is the fact that like he went from being poor and having fun as a kid, having the sled, doing what he was doing, to being told you need to go to school, you're gonna have all this wealth, you need to do this, you need to do that. 
And so the way that he found growing up to get affection from people, he tied, I'm going to give them this so Mm -hmm. I can get back what I think I need when he doesn't remember what he needs or where that happiness came from because of that traumatic experience he had from being torn away. And so throughout his life after that point, he got a high from Mm -hmm. buying people stuff and getting that affection from them, but it wasn't what he actually needed. It was, he was basically doing heroin. Sure. (laughs) Every time. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like he needed to get high. So he'd buy his wife a $20,000 marble headed lion or something. Or, Um, or an opera house. Or an opera house, which is ridiculous. Anyway, um, based I mean, on I mean, a true if, thing, if you, got the money, if you got the money and you're that type of person, that's that's you know whatever. But that's where that theme of him buying stuff for people comes mm-hmm. from, and it all ties back to that sled. And I, you know what, I think, I think I just had a really hard time with the movie because I think this is the one thing that the time period and the style of the movie actually was a detriment for me. Because I'm used to movies of this style being very Ayn Rand, where, like, capitalism's the best. Everybody who's smart is also wealthy. And that's where I thought it was going. And then I was like, okay, so because of the time period and the fact that he's failed in these ventures means <clears throat> that, you know, there's something morally flawed about him, you know, that he's, you know, he's making poor decisions. So these all have to be decisions. And I think what I'm getting is that instead of that being the case it's showing that like you know buying things won't end in happiness running a company won't end in happiness being happy ends in happiness and i think what yeah sorry yeah no and i think that but is that is that the point of the movie that capitalism like buying all these things doesn't lead to happiness well not even not even as a direct message on capitalist but i think as a message on like Look, all these material things are just material things. Yeah. This job is just a job. Life I, is just I, life. I think, I think that I think the meaning of it is you can buy all of this stuff. You can buy all the statues. You can buy all the zoos. You can build a castle. Mm-hmm. And people might think, oh, man, that guy's got to be so happy because of all these things that he's bought. But what brings you true happiness can be just like an old sled from when you, when you were a kid. Like something that is worthless to anyone else. Somebody else is just going to throw in a fire to mm-hmm. destroy after you're gone because there's no no one else can see the value in it except for you mm-hmm. like it, it, it's one man's junk is another person's treasure I, that's what i i see it meaning what do you think ryan was that close was, is alan close like alan hit it right on the head um yeah i have a feeling you're kind of doing one of your own yous <laughs> Oh, I am. I, <laughs> okay. I was really, no, I was really yeah. trying to put like the Devin, like, you know, yeah. uh, jaded 40s. <laughs> so, like that kind it, of view on in it. In the chat, they're saying it's about self-worth. There's that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so I feel like what you did was that you, like, as soon as you said, it's like, you know, it's like, I'm used to movies at this time period being like the whole Ayn Rand thing. And I'm just over yeah. here going this is Devin, you really pulled Ayn Rand into this, but I I definitely know what you mean by that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of movies from the 40s and 50s, it was the middle of the Cold War, so obviously Mm -hmm. there's going to be Cold War propaganda in there. Um, But this is what I meant by this movie shows that we've been bickering over the same stuff for more than, like, ever since we started the country. We've been bickering over the same things. Um, And and, if I if I and, may if I may yeah, quit, yeah. if I may interject, Ryan posted a TikTok today about Citizen Kane, which is yes, a weird which is a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> uh, but he <laughs> talked about like the whole uh, candidacy thing and the fact that his campaign was canceled. Over, canceled he was canceled yeah. because of yeah, yeah. an affair. Like yeah. that, that's not a new thing. Like that's always been a thing. Like you mess up yeah. in a public eye, you get a you got to get frowned upon from, from mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. And so I feel like what you did, Devin, which is what a mm-hmm. lot of people do. So it's, 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 this is not negative. This is not a- anything. Oh. This is just the way 
things are in this country yeah. is that a lot of people have this idea of like the 1940s, 1950s, like 98% of everybody who was in this country was like, yes, the cold war, we're better than the Russians. Yes. Uh, capitalism is better than communism and all, and all, and all of this other stuff. And to a point, a lot of that is still true, but the one thing that gets glossed over is that there was a very large community of leftists in the forties, especially in Hollywood, like there is now. So when it comes to the 1940s, 1930s, 1950s, you will still find movies like this where they'll show somebody from the political left calling Kane a fascist, somebody from the political right calling Kane a communist, and then Kane <laughs> himself saying, I'm just an American. Because hey. it all depends on, because it honestly d- depends on your social political view. When it comes to how you see Kane during that little segment of what they did, um, so when you're thinking of the '40s, by all means, like if you look anywhere like golden age propaganda, like of course you're going to think almost everything made in Hollywood in the '40s is going to be like, yay, capitalism, it's right. all good. When in reality, a lot of the stuff shows the true face of America back then, which it really isn't that much different from today. And and that's. That's really true. I actually had a weird, and, and along those lines, I had like a weird personal connection to this movie, especially that end where they throw away and, and burn the, um, the, you know, the sled that is Rosebud that was like his, like, not prized possession, but his like tie to happiness. Like I did that, like we had to clean out my grandma's house uh, when she moved into the nursing home and we threw away all these things we knew she loved because they just had to go away. And like, it's just like those kind, and you're right, like those universalities of like, yeah. Hey, even though it was the 40s and freaking 80 years later, like human beings are still human beings. And we're still attached to our stuff in the way that we used to be back then. And yeah. it's never about the stuff. Yeah. Like, um, I have something like that. Um, yeah. It's not as like, I'm sorry. I was going to ask, do we have any, do we have rosebuds of our own? <laughs> so, um, I have one, like, I have two things. I have one, which is a signed baseball from the one little, from, from the one legally little league team that I was in when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I had my first major surgery. They all signed a baseball for me and I got it. I still have that baseball with all of their, you know, like elementary school best they could cursive on, you know, like on the baseball. So I still have that. That's kind of my rosebud, but I think truly is a music box that my parents had um, when I when, when, when I was growing up. There's this little music box. It's silver mm. with like gold accents on it, and um, I remember as a kid growing up, like even my earliest memories, I'd go over to this thing, wind it up, and just play it because oh. it had the glass top and you could see the gears working and everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the song's from. I don't recognize it from anywhere else except from this one music box. <laughs> and when my mom was moving from her house to an apartment, um, she was getting rid of a lot of stuff. And I saw this thing and I'm like, I, no, we're not getting rid of this. Like, this is like, I see this and I can, and I can remember the layout of our house in Alton. Oh, wow. You know, like it, it, it's just, it's the one thing that my parents owned that is just connected to my childhood, even though it has like, other than that, there's no specific interest or it, it, it doesn't even look like anything that I would want compared to everything else that I have. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, like that's the, like if there were, that's the, out of all the few things I would grab away, from, you know, like if I had to like evacuate mm-hmm. pictures, laptop, phone, that. So, Devin, how about you? Do you have one? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a uh, plastic Power Rangers wallet, uh, and <laughs> with within the Power Rangers wallet, I have my most important pictures. I have a picture of my mom, dad, me, uh, like all in the like the the Walmart like like fancy background picture. We're all in suits, um, and then I have a picture of uh, my two sisters when they're very, very young, a picture of my dog, and a picture of Spider-Man. I don't know why he's in there, but he's in there. Okay, which Spider-Man? Is it cartoon Spider-Man, comic Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Tom Holland? Oh, we're getting into this. So it's actually a a picture of two Spider-Man. It is a picture of the 
uh, Spider-Man from the comic book, and on the other side is uh, Scarlet Spider, because okay. I got that picture at the same time the Scarlet Spider arc was happening. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, my, that's my rosebud, man. It's, it oh. takes me right back. I think... I don't think I would have realized this was one until recently, but mm-hmm. my parents have a piano in their house, and uh, I never learned how to play piano, but um, I always would doodle with it. Like I would learn, I, I learned a few pieces from the show Lost. I learned those on that piano. Um, it's just always been in my family's house. And then over Easter, my parents were like, oh yeah, we're looking to get rid of the piano. I was like, I, I want that piano. Like I don't know why. I, I think just th- thinking back it used it belonged to my grandfather at one point and mm. when he moved to the house he's in now we took it um and i i don't know why it's not a great piano but i i kind of want that piano i don't want that piano just to be thrown away so i think for me that's yeah. like the closest thing i have right now it's very cool yeah see i didn't realize about the music box until we were moving my mom out of the house yeah um so I mean, you 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 honestly never know exactly what it is, and that's what I like about this movie is the fact like he didn't realize what it was until he had something that like jarred his memory, and then yeah. he remembered it, and it took him until he was what like in his sixties till he figured it yeah. out. Yeah. The other thing I have is I have a, I I don't have a camera that I was I borrowed from the high school over the summer and never returned. <laughs> But I remember the high school had a uh, V like a mini VHS camcorder that um, that I found. I have one that's very similar to in my closet right now, um, <laughs> and that just takes me back to like the early days of my uh, filmmaking uh, dreams and aspirations, and that that weird twenty four parody that I had Devin dress in a dress for. I was being Edgar. It yeah. made sense. Don't yeah, worry about it. Did. it. <laughs> we were in high school. It was weird. If I can find <laughs> those tapes, if I can find that tape, I'm putting that together. Because oh, we you shot have to. most of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I think it'd be funny if you do shoot it. We should like, like add some ending to it with with us the way you guys. We never we never shot the ending. Uh, we should do to. the ending now. Remember, <laughs> that would be funny what, for De- the age difference. Devin, do you remember what the ending was going to be? No. So the film, the the short was called Bad Day, and it was uh-huh. going to be you playing piano with your hands behind your head to uh, Daniel Porter's Bad Day. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, it was 2006, and that was yep. funny. We're uh, doing it. Why I'm do I board. remember that? Um, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I hope you have yeah. the script somewhere around there. I think I do, actually. I think that... I, I'm I'm a hoarder when it comes to like that kind of stuff. Like I have a folder with all of those scripts and things. But that's that's cool for the future though, because you're gonna look back on that when you're 60 and you'll be like, well, like look at young me. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna have to tear apart a. Uh, you're not gonna have to tear apart a. Oh crap! What's that like fancy place that sells the crystals? Like Swans, Swanson, or whatever. I forget that. Yeah, name, I know what you're talking about. You're not gonna have to tear apart a crystal shop to finally figure it out either. Yeah. right i love that scene i'm just like bull it's like oh dude i wish i could do that to like a china you know like to something like a bullet of china was, shop. please it, i just want that his, experience it was his wife's room right i because that was at the castle i but, but there was like a ton of people around yeah his staff oh okay can i bring up my favorite thing about xanadu sure how they decorated xanadu especially the great room where it's this room that's bigger than any apartment I've ever lived in. Probably bigger than all three of our apartments combined. What has he got in it? A couch. And then a chair 80 feet away and a rug. And that's it. Like, you could have filled that up more, set designers. No. Why didn't you fill that up more? No? I think it's intentional. No. I think it's yeah. intentional. It's yeah. intentional? Yeah. Why? Every single ridiculously wealthy person needs a ridiculously huge empty room with a chair. It's like you've never seen uh, Tim Burton's Batman. 
I, I haven't seen it in long. Does he have an empty room with a chair? He has throwing the giant on my computer screen. He at has you. the giant <laughs> dining room table. He's sitting at one end. Vicky Vale's at the other. They're on a date, and they're like hollowing across for like the salt. <laughs> and Bruce Wayne's like, you know, I don't know if I've ever been in this room before. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to rewatch uh, that. I think I might have. That might have to be my next pick. It I'm, needs to be. I'm down. But it's, yeah. it, to me, like, when you get to be that wealthy and you have that type of, like, you know, the the work that he did or whatever mm-hmm. or didn't do at that point of his life, I, I don't, whatever. Um, but anyway, I would love to just have a room. Sorry, I thought the door opened up behind me. I, <laughs> I had a... I wish I had a room that was completely empty. That was just massive. That if I dropped a pen or something, it would sound like a bookshelf fell over. Or, you know you know what I mean. But just with like a chair or a sofa, yeah. it would just be like a nap room. See, I'm on board for nap room, but like big empty room like freaks me out. Like there's too much space. I, the opposite of claustrophobic? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's I, I can get that. Like being in a big open space by yourself is weird. Yeah, it just I don't know. That room would freak me out. Uh, and since uh, we mentioned meals, I think one of my favorite parts of this movie was when they were like, "Yeah, they mostly saw each other at breakfast." You know, like a normal couple. And then they cut to them at breakfast, him in a tux, her in an evening gown. You know, like normal couples. Yeah. Uh, that are right. as wealthy as Jeff Bezos. Right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so final thoughts on Citizen Kane before we wrap this up. I was waiting for Devin to go first. Oh, I'll go first. I loved it. I freaking love this movie. I want to watch it again, knowing, especially knowing your and Ryan's like interpretation of the movie and being able to kind of like take the like 1940s capitalist love letter that I thought it was going to be, <laughs> put it aside and like understand what it really is and watch it through that lens. I want to watch this movie again because I like it more now. Okay. okay. Um, I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, it's worth mm-hmm. seeing, especially if you're somebody who likes to kind of, you know, it's like you like movies and you want to be able to like judge what, you know, like which, what you see off of what has been done and, 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 you know, like what's considered good. I highly recommend it. Personally, I'll probably never watch it again, but that's simply <laughs> because I, I have a, I like it. I like ridiculousness over quality sometimes, to be honest. Um, so take that with it, what you will. I mean, you made <laughs> us watch Virtuosity, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I would watch Virtuality in a heartbeat before this any day of the week. <laughs> um, oh man. Yeah, I if you this is definitely a bucket list film. If you're, if you mm-hmm. love film and you have not seen citizen Kane, I highly recommend it. Uh, this has been a, a dark spot for the podcast for a while. Cause, because we haven't seen it now we have, um, I really enjoyed this. I'm probably going to revisit it after I watch Mank, probably within the next mm-hmm. week, uh, before the Oscars, I got a lot of stuff to catch up on before the Oscars. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I will watch it again. I think there's a lot to dissect. And after watching it the first time, going back and revisiting this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, that being said, next week, join us for a special guest. Uh, friend of the show from over, on, from over on Nerf Herders Assemble. We'll be having Josh join us next Tuesday. Uh, we'll be talking about the 1984 film Red Dawn. Yes. A film that I've never seen. Devin, have you seen it? I have. Okay. And Ryan, you've seen the remake, right? Yeah, I saw the remake. Okay. So three different three different uh, points of view going into that. I'm sure Josh is going to love that. Because um, he, he was like, wait, you guys haven't seen it? I was like, one of us saw the remake. I didn't know, Devin, you've seen the original. <laughs> so, uh, so that'll be fun. That'll be next Tuesday here on Facebook and Twitch. Uh, probably not YouTube like we tried to tonight because that messed things up. Um, but yes, so next week, Red Dawn, uh, the original, not the Chris Hemsworth uh, version from the 2010s. That's who's in the remake? Yeah. 
Oh man, is he taking over for, Pat- for Patrick Swayze? Yes. Whoa. You gotta yeah. watch it now. Um, yeah, no, the remake's good. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, until then, for ne- until next time, uh, make sure to like us on Facebook. If you're watching on Twitch, please go ahead and hit that follow button. We go live every week with our show. We talk about a, a movie, and we also have bonus streams throughout the week where Devin, myself, Ryan, we'll all, one of us will hop on and just play a video game and talk movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like Devin and I were on last night playing some Fortnite. Uh, we need to get, a lot we, of need fun. get we, we need to get Ryan involved with these streams more. Uh, yeah, that so would be we'll, a lot of fun. Uh, maybe we'll play some uh, Among Us or something. Ooh. I um, like that. But you can so follow us on Twitch, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on our Instagram to for updates on our next shows. Uh, and you can listen to you have to watch this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Um, until next time, uh, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Frozen Ryan. And I'm Devin. And Rosebud. <laughs>